we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay. Hey, it's Matt Waterworth uh, from the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast here back at the podcast game. Thanks for tuning back in. Uh, we are back to bringing you some episodes. So uh, we've got a big one this week because there's a lot of news to update you on. So uh, firstly, this podcast, if you haven't heard it before, is all about bringing you news, tips, interviews in the film and video and digital media industries of Alberta. And uh, we like to do that um, through three different um, sections of the podcast. The first is news and kind of what's going on in the industry. The second is kind of the meat of the show. That's where the interview happens, um, or it's maybe a panel from a, from an event or a, a related industry moment. Like last week's episode was a, a talk uh, with Telefilm at the Calgary International Film Festival. <clears throat> so, uh, and, and then we wrap the show up with, uh, with deadlines, important dates that you need to know, screenings, um, info about grants and how you can get some money and all kinds of other important information for filmmakers in this province. So, thanks for joining us, and uh, let's start things off with the industry news. Uh, Right now, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers is calling for volunteers because they're moving. Um, So, if you want to check out the show notes, you can find a link to uh, get some volunteer hours uh, so that if you're a member of that organization, you can uh, become a production member and get the, the best rates on gear and, and uh, participate in the, uh, the big move at CSIF. Now, in addition to that move, there's going to be a new event kind of mixer holiday party at the CSIF. Um, so that's happening uh, on Friday, December 9th, uh, 2016 from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Another CSIF piece of news is uh, that there's going to be an equipment rental suspension because, of course, they are moving. So uh, they need their gear to not be uh, checked in, checked out between uh, November 25th and 29th as they make the move over to the new space. Now, there's lots of uh, exciting news about uh, with, with Ampia and some that just came out very recently today. Um, and that is that there is a brand new program, in fact, two new programs for Ampia members. So if you're not an Ampia member, you should really become one because uh, Ampia just uh, released this statement. Ampia is pleased to announce two new pilot programs that will assist members to strengthen their businesses and increase their access to markets. Thanks to new funding made available from the Alberta government Ampia is pleased to be able to offer a new mentorship program as well as an access to markets program. The Ampia member, uh, mentorship program will give successful Ampia member applicants up to $4,000 to cover the cost of hiring a trainee for up to 16 weeks. Member companies will be responsible for matching these funds. Training must take place between January 1 and March 31st, 2017. Four mentorships will be awarded in total. And then uh, you've, uh, we've got a link here with uh, this information, and you can find the application forms uh, there. So if you check out the show notes, you can jump right into that. Uh, the next one is the Ampia Market Access Program. will award up to 2000 per successful applicant to offset the cost of attending a major marketer festival. Applications can apply during, uh, applicants can apply during two separate intake periods, and then those, are, those are between December 1st uh, and 15th, 2016, and March 15th and 31st, 2017. And there's going to be a maximum of four market access grants awarded in each intake period. So those are two very cool opportunities. And, and you know, I, I actually 
was able to partake in the mentorship app, uh, in, in the mentorship uh, fund, uh, it, I guess it went away for quite a few years, but now it's back. Um, and so I was lucky enough to uh, work for a production company for uh, a good long while, thanks to Ampia and and I guess this men- this mentorship application. Um, Obviously, it was a different thing then, um, but this is something that you really want to take advantage of, especially if you're just kind of out of school or looking for work. This is the kind of thing that if you're, you know, a, a, a really um, proactive person, you can take this and go to a, an Ampia member organization and say, hey, you guys are members of Ampia. If you if you pay me, we can get half of the money uh, you owe me, you'll owe me for working for you, uh, paid by Ampia, which is a very cool opportunity. So get your thinking caps on. And, and, uh, if you're looking for work, this might be a way to, uh, make your own. Ampia also, uh, is going to be participating in a China mission, uh, where, uh, uh Ampia has been invited to join an investment attraction mission to China led by economic development and trade minister, Darren Belouse from November 21st to 26th, 2016. So, uh, that started today. So uh, that's kind of cool. You can check out more information about that, but basically uh, it's a mission to increase uh, and stimulate economic um, activity in the uh, Alberta film industry. So that's always a good thing. Uh, Canada's biggest film financer, Telefilm, pledges that half of its projects will be directed or written by women. This is a cool article by The Hollywood Reporter, and you can find uh, you can find it in the show notes. But uh, obviously it was big news from Telefilm that they're going to be uh, working towards making sure that all of their projects are uh, written or directed by women, um, at least by half. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, the National Screen Institute uh, is t- turning 30, and they just released their uh, annual report. It's got some cool information in it, uh, some of, some about the the Telestory Hive program, the NSI Aboriginal doc- documentary uh, short, Mia, uh, and uh, a bunch of cool stuff. So you should check it out. It's uh, it's in the show notes, and um, NSI is always up to some cool stuff, so you want to keep on their radar. And six months after opening the Calgary Film Center, uh, it is now at full capacity with Tinstar and Fargo. So... This is exciting news because, you know, we know that the uh, the the studio uh, has been around for a little while now, and you know we all want to make sure that it is doing well and 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 you know being taken advantage of um, because if it doesn't, uh, then we're not going to find more government investment and and uh, it's not good for our industry. So it's really good news that uh, Fargo and Tinstar together uh, are taking up all three studios. Fargo's taking two. Tinstar has been working. Uh, in one of them since July, I think. And um, so this is really good news. Um, it, it could mean that after Tinstar is done, uh, one of the studios will be open again, but this is the first time it's been completely booked up, um, which is awesome. So you can check out the full article from uh, Eric Volmers and the Herald uh, in the show notes. And there are a bunch of other things to talk about, I'm sure, but that's a lot uh, <laughs> already. So... Um, Enjoy those uh, those links, and uh, you can find out more there. Um, but for now, I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation that Scott and I had with um, Anna Cooley, who's a wonderful filmmaker in Calgary, 
and uh, worked on a really, really interesting documentary uh, that I can't wait uh, for you to learn about. It's very, very unique, and uh, we had a great conversation. Um, she's also been successful, I believe, with her Story Hive project, so she's probably going into production on that. Uh, so be sure to follow her on the uh, on the social links that are included in the show notes to find out how she's doing with those uh, with that uh, project. So uh, thanks again uh, to her for joining us, and here is Anna Cooley. I don't do that trick where I just start recording anymore. I should do that again. It's a good trick, but it depends <laughs> on the person. I think if they listen, right, yeah. to the podcast, then they know. Yeah, you got to mix it up. You yeah, can't surprise people, but. Who do we have with us today, Scott? We have Anna Cooley with us today. Um, and she's one of my favorite filmmakers, though I haven't told her that before. Um, and she actually directed uh, the first ever web series that we did. That's she right. directed two episodes right. with us. Yeah. Um, so she's been going for quite a while. And uh, I'm really excited to chat with her and find out her story. And I'm looking at her right now as I'm saying this, so it's super <laughs> weird. Hi, Anna. Hello. How are you? I'm, re- I'm really good. Good. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I don't even know where to start. Well, I, yeah, I mean, the go-to for yeah. me is like, what made you want to become a filmmaker in the first place? Um, I first wanted to be a filmmaker when my cousin from New Zealand visited when I was 10 and taught me how oh, to wow. animate with the family handicam. Ah. And uh, I've been shooting films ever since throughout school. I would try and make every project into a into a film yeah. and, and then decided to try and pursue it afterwards. What uh, what kind of animating yeah. was it with a handycam? Like stop motion or, or? Yeah, totally yeah. stop motion started out just my desk and then I got a little more yeah. epic with, with sort of the sets and the characters out of clay and and stuff like that. And I even joined up uh, with Quick Draw for a couple oh, of years nice. and did cool. their camps for kids. Cool. We like actually, uh, we haven't really talked too much about Quick Draw. No, that's true. Um, tell us what that's all about. Yeah. Uh, Quick Draw is fantastic. Uh, I mean, I haven't been a member for a little while, but I've I've hired um, people who work out of there. Like their right. current resident, uh, Tank Standing Buffalo, did some work for me on my uh, feature documentary. Mm-hmm. And um, they also just run really cool programs, whether it's to view animation or uh, get involved in it. They've got really awesome facilities, and they're right in there with M Media. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Same cool. building. Yeah. Yeah. Although maybe not for too much longer. But yeah. How, so was it film? Was it like a Super Eight frame by frame? Or no. Was it, okay. So it was like no. a video camera yeah. that did like a frame by frame. I know it wasn't. I had start, to hit stop. it and oh really? Stop. Hit it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was very oh. haphazard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's great. I remember. Yeah, I I used to edit with a we had a like a high eight video camera and i would edit with a vcr so i would record yeah. to it and i would go back and forth with like different clips and stuff yeah yeah that's it, that was my method also. <laughs> it's low tech yeah. but yeah that's the way to do it um so so how did i know you're a sate grad so how did get going to say you know get on your radar uh i decided not to go to school right away and i actually did a scholarship program through a media before okay. I went to SAIT to oh, kind cool. of um, make sure that it was the thing I wanted to do because I was aware that it was a difficult path to take. Um, mm. So I made a short film uh, called The Prosperous through M Media, which I'm still very fond of. It's clearly amateur, but <laughs> wow. I, I look at it and I, I feel proud of my 19-year-old self. That's, first that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's most people are so embarrassed of their yeah, first yeah, yeah. one. So it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah and it, it got into one festival. Nice. Like the Atlanta Underground Festival. Film festival in wow. two thousand and eight. Wow, that's yeah. awesome! Very cool. Huh. Um, and then uh, after making a little more money, I went to Sate. 
cool and uh it was fantastic i wanted to experience mostly the art department and directing and i got to do those two things in the two 22 minute oh nice pieces and it was it was fantastic Mm -hmm. and which which short did you direct uh dead rabbits dead rabbits i can't remember which one we saw i i think i saw them i think i saw yeah i think i remember i was at the screening and uh it was kind of the anna cooley show yeah well and i remember hearing (laughs) very good things about yeah anna cooley when we were out when we were out of out of school so did you host the the urine screening too i did host yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. in that way it was the anna cooley (laughs) so did scott by the way but it was definitely a team 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 effort effort, because yeah like looking at um the story hive which the voting for the short female digital yeah female digital shorts going on right now there's so many ladies from my class that oh cool are, that are yeah have yeah. shorts in that and it's really cool to see mm-hmm. yeah it's it's some good representation of sight on mm-hmm. there for sure mm-hmm. uh there's a good story i believe of the uh, the shooting of dead rabbits and the acquisition of a dead rabbit how did that come to be uh i'm trying to remember the fella's name but the roadkill guy the city of like calgary the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he knew that we needed one ah. but we had to wait for, for one to die for one to die <laughs> to shoot that oh my film. god and and when it came down to it we got three <laughs> dead rabbits wow two it's such a weird thing because obviously you're not going to kill a rabbit for a film no but rabbits do die and right <laughs> they can be in service of a film mm-hmm. but yeah that timing has to be on your side and you ended up with three yeah why yeah. three because I guess it was a bad day for rabbits. There was, there was an embarrassment of riches for the roadkill guy. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So, but but you had to freeze it or something like that. Yeah. They had. They were. They came frozen. So okay. we had to actually. It was the thawing that was. Oh. That was. And and I have to give credit to the art department and the first AD for that one. Yeah. Gwen Linton and Kiefer Dallison <laughs> definitely took the. Ugh. Made that one happen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what happened after, after Sate? What was your journey like? Uh, I know we worked together briefly on Heartland. Uh, yeah. So I got a job right away as an art department trainee after, um, after I graduated from Sate. I was lucky enough to have a producer at the screening who recommended me to, um, production designer, John Blackie. Ah, uh, yes. And so I started out on the pilot of Hell on Wheels as oh, the art department trainee. Wow, cool. Perfect. And then, uh, so I did that, and then the first season as the art department trainee. Cool. Um, that must have been awesome. How was that? It was amazing. Yeah. I was pretty much um, the fact finder. I oh, started okay. out just doing research oh. and just having, because in order to build uh, the past, you have to have all the facts and right. like visual research as right. well as, as um, reading a lot of information. Like if you if you want to paint a sign to say we're hiring guys on the railroad, you need to know how much people would have made because right. you have to write right. the offer yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. And right. huh. So just having those bits of knowledge. Cool. Well, awesome. Yeah. And, and, and is, does, does this even belong here at this time? And mm-hmm. this like, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then I got to uh, do some set deck during that as well. And, uh, and then I took more jobs in set decoration and then did that for a couple of years and then moved into props, which is where I saw you met, um, on Heartland. Yes. 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 <laughs> so what's, um, Tell us about what what someone in a props department is doing. Uh, it's a lot of continuity, a lot of reading the script, a lot of like keeping very careful notes as to what um, is in scenes, what what 
pops up that isn't in the script that has to show up later, photographing it all. And then, uh, like even anticipating things like there'd be, there'd be scenes where there, there, an actor would be playing that I knew would want to be doing something in the scene, but there's nothing scripted. So you're coming to blockings with, with things in mind. So you have to kind of be paying attention to script and character character motivation and stuff like that which is why i wanted to do that job because right. as a director that's the kind of yeah. thing i want to be actively thinking about right. it's so it's so fascinating every time we learn more about a specific role on set we realize how much everyone is a storyteller mm-hmm. right and how much storytelling goes into every piece and every little decision that's made that that even the director might not even consider or know about mm-hmm. yeah. which is why as a director it's great to have those people around right for sure you don't have to think about it exactly yeah this yeah. is true. Very cool. Uh, what was it like to to go from school to? I know those hours can be really nuts, but but there's a lot of free food too. So what's the what's the uh, was it was it a good plan? I know that now you're 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 doing your own thing. You're not you're not on a show right now. You're you're kind of getting ready to make your own films. Hmm. Um. I had it easy in the art department because you are in an office. And right. You have steady hours, right. and we worked. 11 12 hour days right um so i mean they're long days but uh it was so exciting at the beginning you're just so glad to have a job totally yeah yeah that's awesome um, and rare for sure yeah that that you're just grateful to be there and and (laughs) wanting to absorb everything like a eager sponge yeah (laughs) sweet so what happened after heartland then so how long were you working on heartland i did heartland for three seasons oh wow holy shit okay yeah um and then uh spring of 2015 started my own production company with my partner Brandon DeWine and uh, we do mostly short form uh, documentaries right now though we're both working on scripts and projects for the future that are more narrative based because that's where our hearts are both yeah certainly yeah cool so what about this dinosaur yeah (laughs) (laughs) where did this come from so my feature documentary, A Sauropod Abroad. Um, Great title. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, uh, well, I should start off by saying my parents build dinosaurs for a living. Oh, okay. They Why? are world-renowned paleo artists. Really? Um, they built all the life-size reconstructions out at the Toronto Museum, um, oh, wow. the flying dinosaurs at the airport, and they've had three covers of National Geographic. So as far as Whoa. like scientific reproductions Uh, of dinosaurs go they're the people to talk to and they're also amazing insane they (laughs) met when they were 18 and 19 at art college here in calgary oh wow and uh they've been building dinosaurs together for almost 40 years i know you can't see goosebumps uh (laughs) on the radio or under my shirt but i've got them right now because i'm a huge dino fanatic and that's uh making me insanely jealous So when they said that they were building a life-size Megarosaurus, which is like um, kind of like a brontosaurus, but smaller um, because it's from Romania. And Romania has a very unique um, paleontological history in that it used to be an island. Right. So that all the dinosaurs from that island became dwarves in order to um, battle for the limited resources. Right. Oh my God, amazing. So they decided that they were going to take this life-size dinosaur on a road trip across Europe to raise awareness for the um, UNESCO geopark 
that the dinosaur would be going to. Oh, okay. So when they told me that, obviously, I had yeah, to make must. a movie about it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so what, what does it mean when, when they take the dinosaur across Europe? What does that, what does that mean? So you've got um, a Dacia Logan. So picture uh, a station wagon from Romania. Okay. <laughs> with a trailer hitch pulling a flatbed trailer, um, something that would pull a small boat uh, and instead of a boat, there's a seven meter long dinosaur on the back. Oh my God. <laughs> so seven meters from head to tail kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. And how tall was it? It was uh, just under four meters high. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Cool. Yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. They built it here? They, they built it here. So how did they get it across yeah. the ocean? Uh, they it, it went into four or five, six, seven pieces. Oh, okay. So okay. the awesome. body, Smart. each leg, right. head, right. tail. Head, tail. And uh, was shipped across. Um, and we ended up getting it in Antwerp. And uh, just assembling the dinosaur, it. right? Yeah. Assemble the dinosaur, yeah. sure. Nice. Yeah. And was it assembled onto the trailer? It was assembled and then put, put on the trailer. The trailer. Okay. And it was uh, my dad, who's a crazy genius, developed this mechanism that would tilt so that it could be tilted forward to go under bridges. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> wow. Right, of course. Stand wow. back up and then you could apply wheels to the sides, uh, four points, and um, with attached to crank so you could jack it up, drive the trailer out, and then have it a little freewheeling dinosaur so you could take it on little <laughs> little excursions. Wow, cool. Like what kind of excursions? <laughs> like, for example, into the Black Sea. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah. It's but, waterproof? Like, could it? Yeah, it's wow. made out of fiberglass. So it's okay, like okay. literally made out of the same huh. stuff boats are made out of. So d did you terrify people with, with <laughs> was the it's, goal? To... It's a gentle giant, oh, okay. Megyaros. Right. Right. It's uh, very friendly. Mm -hmm. um, so people were very surprised. I'm sure because we drove it into like rural villages in right. Romania right. Wow. and or up the Champs de Lisée huh. in Paris. It was just so. What 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 is the what, what what's the nature of the documentary while you're there? Are you just kind of capturing whatever happens, or did you have a bit of a narrative in mind going in? Yeah. So I knew the story was really about my parents because yeah, their relationship is amazing and the way that they support each other and sort of build on each other's ideas to come up with these concepts that that and they and they do that all the time and most of the time people aren't interested in in supporting those ideas like museums aren't as uh courageous right worldwide as they are in say Transylvania, right. where they thought that was a fantastic idea to drive a dinosaur <laughs> across the continent of huh. europe um but the way that they sort of come up with these ideas and and make them feasible between them and love right. each other and support each other through stressful times. Stress, yeah. Is, I, I can imagine there must have been some stress on that. The, <laughs> there was. <laughs> Doesn't sound like. I mean, it seems like just it's it's too crazy to not work. One of those things that's like, oh, it must have been very easy, but holy shit. So <laughs> did it work? Like, was the museum satisfied with how it all went? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was it was really cool. It was a really amazing adventure that took on a life of its own. As it, I'm sure as yeah. it unfolded. And and there was a crowdfunding campaign yeah. to go along with it. Yeah, Tell the us about um that. the trip itself was funded uh, through Kickstarter. Right. Um, I didn't get any of that money, mm. but yeah. I wouldn't have had a documentary were it not for 
right. sure the campaign itself. Right. Um, and uh, we raised just over $25,000 through Kickstarter, wow. which c- paid for the cost of shipping and the trip. Right. Just about. Right. Huh. For you and your parents? Or for just my for just parents. You, right. Yeah. Right. And my sister. Right. Who coordinated the trip. Okay. And the dinosaur. Cool. Mm-hmm. What kind of rewards does someone who <laughs> funds a, a dinosaur trip get? Well, you can get a, a fiberglass osteoderm, which is a, a very special feature of the Megarosaurus, kind of a, a bony um, protuberance on the shoulders uh, used as armor. Sweet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, cool. So it's about the size of a uh, well, smaller dinner plate. Well, bump that right. yeah all right osteoderm Sweet. or uh dinosaur skin earrings and pendant was, was another thing wow. t-shirt um and there was some major ones like a trip down the danube delta on a riverboat or uh cool um sail or shipping around the black sea on a research vessel were some of the other ones wow, yeah. wow that's super cool interesting mm-hmm. right yeah. so what's the status of the documentary now uh, right now, it is in the marketing and distribution phase. Mm, all right, a good phase. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a uh, sort of a, I guess you'd call it a pre-screening. Um, I had people weigh in, uh, and I had a screening funded through a AFA grant, um, at the Plaza Theater, and people gave feedback, which I was able to use, and they also left some donations. And oh, So really? up until this point, I've been using those donations to submit to festivals. Smart, very oh, cool. Right, and cool. Uh, I'm waiting to hear on a grant to to get more funding for that right. sort of thing, as well as um, respond to some distributors, which or who have um, voiced interest in distributing yeah. the film. Right. I need to run it through legal first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's an yeah, that's one. that's my <laughs> cheat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gotten into two festivals so far and won awards at both. So that's oh, awesome. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Amazing. Wonderful. Mm. So what's next? Uh, well, I'm hoping to get my Story Hive project Sleepwalker funded, mm-hmm. uh, which is going on right now. And that's narrative. That's a narrative piece, yeah. which mm-hmm. I am excited to do more of. Um, I was accepted into the Upstart program. Yay! So that's exciting. Excellent. Um, Have you done? You haven't done that before. I've never done it before. Cool. I'm yeah. actually not sure what I'm in for. Well, but yeah, I'm. I mean, it's it, it's a lot of listeners. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> we it. yeah. Well, it's like a it's like a no pressure directing acting workshop where you're just in a room and there's a little handy cam that kind of just records coverage more for um i don't know like you're not like the point of it isn't to get a lot of shots the point of it is to focus on performance and just have that communication between actors and directors so to me it's always felt a little bit ghetto in that sense where it's like not not a real film set no but but the the concepts are there yeah exactly so that's why but that kind of helps it Mm. right because like no one's there in costume everyone's there in like t-shirts and jeans and you're just kind of blocking and communicate dialogue and and, and intent and you're placing camera as well yeah yeah. and and making choices about that and then you see the finished 
product uh, the next week. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an editor that cuts it all together. And of course, you know, it, it, it is a handicap. I think, I think there's been an upgrade since there has been, been an upgrade a little <laughs> but, bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not designed to be like, Oh, we're going to make a finished film, um, which yeah. is nice because there's a lot less pressure. Yeah. Um, and for yeah. me, it was about learning about timing for sure. Uh, you know, understanding how quickly we could move and what I could accomplish in that time. Mm -hmm. That that's was very important for me. What I got most out of it was just communication with actors. Um, and I guess I should say collaboration rather than communication, which I know you've actually, you actually taught me a lot doing you jelly. I remember watching you direct. Um, and I think a big mistake I made that day was I was the director and the first AD. So all I was caring about was getting our shots. But then when you were directing, you were sitting and just watching them perform and not, and Manuel was on the camera. So he was kind of doing his thing. And that was, uh, very interesting to me because I'm I liked to watch the monitor and and be that kind of technical and how is the shot looking, um, so that was cool and I think you kind of already got a mind for it. So well, I, I, I hope so. Yeah, um, I definitely feel I've I've directed a lot of things since you jelly but mm. not a lot of narrative right. things so yeah. and the um, other thing is like there's no there's no rules and there's no pressure like i i i you, i one, one, I, i've done it many times and i've i've gotten to the point where i'm like what if i do this scene all in a oneer or what if i do like an insane amount of blocking on this scene or what if i don't watch the scene cuz you do scenes from like movies and tv so what if i don't watch the scene beforehand uh, and just do it my own way and then see how they did it or what if I watch the scene first and then just try to emulate what they were doing So there's all kinds of different things mm -hmm. you, can, you can try. So yeah, I'm it's really fun. looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be cool. cool. Yeah uh, So um, what else is going on? Um, look at my list of things because I knew I would go blank um, Just a lot of grant writing. Ah, uh, yes, I've um, come to love the grant I I it's hard to get into the routine of that mm. and expressing yourself in the way that grants want you to, or at least I found it was for sure was yeah. difficult. And you just have to be very vigilant about um, following the criteria that mm -hmm, they want. Mm -hmm. um, but I was successful once, so now I feel all like I can do it. Like With so the I screening feel, grant for the yeah, well, it was yeah. a post production grant, right? Right. So I was I was able to pay editor, sound editor, animator. Um, colorist nice and Amazing. uh yeah survive during <laughs> during the period <laughs> yeah. of time and then have the screening so that's cool what a cool idea i've never i've never thought of that as you could incorporate the screening and get some feedback as part of your post-production process mm -hmm. as part of your grant so mm -hmm. what are your what are your top 10 grant trip grant tips not 10 <laughs> <laughs> um i would say reread read reread read the criteria read the criteria yeah. and their tips right and then if you have any questions like if anything's unclear write them down and ask right the oh. the funding body because yes. they ha usually have someone for each stream right. ready to respond yeah. to your questions and and i know the grant thing there's a lot of people that are very anti-grant and they uh, i feel like they feel that it's like a closed closed off you know clandestine organization that's mysterious and not really willing to help um and then they just turn them down mm -hmm. time after time so it's yeah, a tough thing. it is a tough thing, but, but it's important to realize that they're people and they are there to help. Their job is to help us. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like the government is making the decisions. They form juries. And of course that sucks too, because it's a different jury every, every deadline. So sometimes you're, you're in a, you may be at the whims of, of someone's taste and, and that's, that's just how it is. Unfortunately, there's not really a way around that. 
I also try and imagine what it's like for them because they are professionals in their field. So they're Mm -hmm. busy. Right. And they're not getting a ton of money to look over these grants. And they also sit together in a room with some sandwiches and have to go through a whole bunch of them at the end of the day. And so I imagine writing something that would entertain or at least be short enough for that person because Mm -hmm. you just like I always write 10 pages and then cut it down to three because Mm -hmm. no one wants to wade through that you have to make it really short and snappy I I completely agree I I have sat on one or two juries and and sometimes you get just a mountain of stuff and it's like I I I don't have the time to go through you know 50 pages Mm -hmm. um and so yeah you I think you you know the more concise the better because then it's like okay you're hitting these points and it's it's concise and yeah it's a good thing it's yeah it's okay to be formulaic Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. you're just being very very clear for sure and following exactly Mm -hmm. the points they want you to hit right so at what point have you got um enough of a package together for a film that applying for grants becomes a lot easier where it's not a mountain of work every time you've got a budget made mm-hmm. so you just submit that like is how does that happen do you find or are you finding you're customizing every time uh i definitely customize every mm-hmm. time um for a sauropod abroad i've written now three large grants for right. it so i feel like i'm able to sum up the project really well it's all been for different stages so what i'm asking for has been quite a bit different i actually haven't applied for multiple grants for one stage which is probably bad but um yeah just being able to focus right away on what's important Mm -hmm. and and what i want to get across becomes easier right nice yeah Yeah. and i mean the more times you build a budget yeah the more times you write out some synopsis the better you get Yeah, it just gets easier Yeah, yeah for sure cool so uh, anything else on the list there or, or I'd love to talk about kind of what your goals are as a filmmaker, like where you're. you're yeah, that's fine. Right? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to, I've got lots of ideas for um, features mm-hmm. and I'd like to try and develop some of those into uh, say like a webisode um, right. things. I'm, I'm thinking of ideas that I have that I are not feasible right now that I could I could find ways of making parts of or exploring that genre so that I can make projects like it down the road. Sure. I'm trying to decide what it is that I love to do and then try and make that, make that kind of project Mm -hmm. happen as opposed to just waiting for something to come up. Right. Yeah. What's, I mean, you you do a lot more um, of experimental stuff than a lot of filmmakers that we talk to. Um, So where did that come from in your life? Probably from my crazy artist right. parents. <laughs> that makes sense. The ones who built dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And what, like, what does that look like? like? What kind of media were you exposed to that that became a thing that you're interested in? And... I well, I just always played around with different different styles of art. Mm-hmm. Like, I I did dance. I love dance. That's right. incorporated in my Story oh. Hive mm-hmm. um, Story Hive uh, project. There's a I always had clay and paints lying around. I was always making stuff with my hands and composition was a huge part of my mother's repertoire of teaching. She's an amazing painter and illustrator. She um, was very gently critical of, of things and really pushed me to be a better, um, better with composition and therefore better with 
uh, photography and, oh, right. and filmmaking wow, in that cool. regard. Um, and and just always being whatever thing I was into, having that be encouraged in some way, gently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was if I was into something, then pursuing that for real like signing up for camps at the quick draw animation right. society just really being supported in that nice. way yeah did you That's play right. soccer as a kid no right my legs okay. were too gangly and long <laughs> that's my excuse I too chipped over them <laughs> got laughed at <laughs> i played soccer but i was i was no good at it <laughs> nor was i good at baseball I played indoor soccer where you could bounce the ball off the wall. Oh, that's that sweet. Cool. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> it was fun the first day and then it wasn't anymore. <laughs> cool. Right on. Yeah. So uh, where can people find more about you and, and, and learn more? Or, or is there more we should we should talk about on the list? Um, oh, I, I wrote down the Calgary International Film Festival just because ah, that's going on. It's starting excellent. today. Right. Their gala. As we record this. So yes. I, I was going to say how excited I was about it. I oh, just good, picked yeah. up my... Um, industry pass mm-hmm. ah nice right and on. got my tickets for the gala nice. and uh i think when you guys air this it'll still be going on it should be yeah i freaking hope so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and speaking of which we haven't i'm sure we'll talk about it in the news but but the episode uh we most recently released uh didn't mention the uh the bravo fact uh oh, pitch yeah. contest, which right. is very cool um and those finalists have been uh, announced so i'm sure yeah. we'll hear about that in the news right mm-hmm. that's exciting all right mm-hmm. Well, cool. Great. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. See you. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, Anna, for joining us. And congratulations on such a cool uh, project and documentary and on your story half. So let's jump right into the upcoming deadlines that are happening for the Alberta film and television industry. Um, We're going to start with the AFA Commemorative Arts Project grant. So this is a grant that's only available as a one-time opportunity for the 25th anniversary uh, of the, uh, I believe, of the AFA. Um, It's going to provide funding for up to five projects to a maximum of $25,000 each. And you can find a link in the show notes for more information about that but very cool um and certainly something that alberta filmmakers could take advantage of although of course it is open to all disciplines music uh visual art and so on so um probably a a much more competitive grant but a large amount of money available if you have a cool project that fits their guidelines uh the women in film and television vancouver have been running this program called uh, our dark side or from our dark side i'm sorry um for a couple of seasons now and they're starting season three um so if you are a a female and you have a genre film uh that you would like to uh help move forward you can submit your maximum three to five page outline by january 6th of 2017 and win an incubator program designed to help you better understand the genre market and get your idea for a feature-length project to the next stage no previous writing experience is necessary and it's only open to women writers links in the show notes for that now, Fava Fest is coming up, and uh, Fava always does it up big with this event, and they have a couple of awards available. Uh, the call for submissions has gone out, and the deadline to submit to the Fava Awards of Excellence uh, are is uh, January 9th, 2017, and you can submit online at fava.submittable.com slash submit, 
And uh, there are a couple of uh, different award categories. First, the awards of excellence. If you've made a film, video, or interdisciplinary work of media art completed after July 1st, 2015, consider applying for one of our eight awards of excellence. Uh, there's also craft categories. All projects submitted to the awards of excellence will automatically be considered for the following. Outstanding cinematography, screenwriting, performance, production design, and editing. And the production awards, if you have an idea for a new project or are in the middle of a project and need a little help to get to the next step, consider applying for one of our four production awards. So there's lots of cool opportunities available through the FavaFest event. Uh, so check it out. Uh, the $100 Film Festival from CSF is happening again, of course. Uh, one of the oldest film festivals um, in Canada, I believe, and certainly one of the oldest festivals as well in Calgary. Um, this is a festival, if you don't know, that only presents on film. And so I believe, and, and hopefully someone will correct me if I'm wrong, um, but don't quote me, but I believe the situation was, originally the idea was that, you know, four rolls of Super 8 film would cost $100 to, to develop. So the idea was that you could shoot four rolls of film, make a film, and that's why they call it the $100 Film Festival. A few years into the process, though, uh, it kind of changed the budget um, amount. didn't quite make as much sense anymore. So uh, now it's it's basically uh, a small format film festival. So so you have to present on film, on celluloid film. Um, I believe that means that you could technically shoot on video and present on film um, if that was part of your... Um, agenda for, for your particular film um, but in this in this film festival they are looking for films that are being projected on super 8 or 8 millimeter or 16 or super 16 um, so check out hundreddollarfilmfestival.org for more information um, it is the 25th anniversary of the event and uh, it's going to be cool uh, the deadline to submit your film is December 1st so it's coming right up uh, the Yorkton Film Festival is also uh, doing their 2017 call for submissions and um they're uh, handled through submittable.com, um, and the super early bird rate is $50, and student entries are free prior to end of day, December 21st. Um, so there is a, a fee to submit, and uh, you can uh, choose from up to 18 entry categories. So check out yorktonfilm.com slash submit. Um, upcoming events in Alberta. Registration for Story Summit 2017 is now open. So if you go to storysummit.ca, you'll find all the information about a really cool event called Story Summit 2017. We, Scott and I attended this event uh, last year or earlier this year and uh, really had a blast, really got a lot out of it and uh, highly recommend it. Um, so it's a must-attend event designed for content creators, filmmakers, content owners, producers, directors, writers, gamers, visual effects artists, distributors, educators, and students. This gathering will encompass keynote speakers, panels, case studies, interactive workshops, along with ample time to network and meet current and future colleagues and partners. Um, yeah, really great. Uh, I got I to gotta highlight just uh, when we went to the event, they had... Um, a panel that was made up entirely of uh, camera operators. So camera operators who worked on uh, things like um, The Hunger Games. Yeah, it was just a super cool event. Definitely encourage you to attend, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a fun one this time around. I hope to see you then. Uh, the CGSW and the Fifth Reel are presenting an event on Saturday the 26th at 9 p.m. from uh, until 11 p.m. at the Plaza Theater. It's a a screening of three separate portraits of three amazing bands. Uh, the bands are called Feel All Right, Empty Heads, and Aleem Khan. And uh, it's just going to be a cool party. There's going to be some uh, performances. 
uh, some great beer, and uh, it's all going down at the Plaza Theater. So if you check the show notes, there's a link to the Facebook event right there for you. Uh, now, coming up on uh, the 24th of November, uh, Set Etiquette and Protocol. That's the program uh, or the workshop that we always talk about you needing to have in order to get into the IATSE uh, or, or the in, into the unions. So definitely take advantage of it. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, so you definitely want to go and check it out. Uh, it's going to be $40. And uh, the instructor is Gail Kennedy. Uh, it starts at 5 p.m., and uh, it's going to be happening at the IATSE Local 212 location. Um, so check out the show notes for more information on that. Uh, happening over at M Media in Calgary, Camera Fundamentals, the Black Magic Design Pocket Cinema Camera, instructed by Bryce Marouk, uh, on Saturday, November 26th from 1 to 5 p.m. It's a free event. So if you want to attend and learn uh, all about the world of raw video with uh, Black Magic Design's Pocket Cinema Camera, this is the event to go to. Um, it's definitely rare to get uh, some professional instruction on uh, on a camera, so I uh, highly recommend it. Uh, show uh, the the link is in the show notes. There's a screenwriting uh, workshop happening starting on February 21st, going until May 16th uh, at Fava. It's Tuesday nights from 6:30 to 9 p.m. and it costs $425 to uh, be a participant in the workshop. And uh, it's going to take you from developing your short film or feature film screenplay or one-hour teleplay, whatever you want to do, um, into an. In- it's going to take it through an intense but supportive workshop setting. So check out the show notes uh, for more information. Fava's got a couple of other events happening. Their main course event, which is their intermediate production class. It's the event where you get to make your own film um, kind of at an intermediate level, um, uh, taking you through um, production and editing and uh, and getting you to the finished film. Uh, It's happening... Uh, starting on Saturday, February 25th, going until the 27th, um, with no class on the 15th or the 29th. Uh, And it goes from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., $945 plus GST, which is not a bad deal considering you get out of there with a finished film. Um, So I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, They're also doing the uh, Video Kitchen. Early bird deadline uh, is January 9th. That's a, a, a series of workshops that's happening on Thursdays, uh, from March twenty, uh, sorry, from March second to May twenty fifth, with no class on April twenty seventh. It's going from six p.m. to ten p.m., uh, and that one costs uh, seven hundred and ninety five dollars uh, plus GST for early bird, and eight hundred and forty five dollars plus GST if you miss the early bird deadline, which again is January. Ninth. This one is the uh, the introductory class. So uh, if if you're not really ready for the main course, uh, the video kitchen is the one that provides you uh, kind of an introduction into uh, the creative process, uh, screenwriting, budgeting, scheduling, casting, camera technique, shot list, storyboards, editing. You'll have lots of opportunities to get your hands dirty and cook up your own four to six minute short film. Click on uh, the link in the show notes for more information on that and all of Fava's events that are coming up. Back at M Media, there's an analog image processing uh, event also happening, uh, instructed by Bryce Marouk. This one's on December 3rd and goes from 12 to 6 p.m. Also free, also free event. Um, so check it out. It's all about uh, the uh, the uh, high cost of entry 
into uh, interfacing digital streams can make even the most tech-savvy individuals scratch their heads in confusion. Why not go back to a simpler time? Learn the basics of working with an antiquated video formats to add a nostalgic flair to your next art project. So uh, you can find out more information about that, of course. You guessed it in the show notes. Um, what's shooting in town? I don't know, man. Uh, I think a lot of things have kind of wrapped up. Damnation, I believe, is done. Global Meltdown's done. In Plain View's done. Dead Again in Tombstone. Tin Star's going to be wrapping up soon. I know that Caution May Contain Nuts in Edmonton just wrapped up as well, so congrats to the Mosaic team there for finishing season four of, of Caution May Contain Nuts. And uh, Heartland, of course, uh, you know, powers on. Uh, that's it, guys. Um, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy this week. Um, looking forward to continuing the podcast, and thanks for tuning back in. Uh, just if I were to make one recommendation, I think it would be a podcast called, uh, if you're, if you're into listening to podcasts and it, apparently you are, uh, it would be, uh, decoding Westworld. If you're watching Westworld, it's an interesting show. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly enjoying it. Um, I love the discussion around it. So, um, if you're a little bit confused by some of it as, as I am, um, it's great to learn more about it. Uh, and these people are the same folks who do the Game of Thrones podcast that I love. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so check it out. Uh, it is decodingwestworld.com, I believe. And uh, if you ever want to send us anything, uh, as far as like uh, event information or what you're up to or some news in your world, feel free to send us an email at hello at abfilmcast.ca. And check us out on the social networks, on SoundCloud. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes, if you please. And uh, we will be back soon. So go make something.